Good morning. Um, well, you guys thank the Spates family for joining us this morning and leading us in worship. Uh, if, in case you're new with us, um, those of you who are regular attenders, you know this doesn't look quite right. Uh, those of you who are new um, don't know this, so I got to fill you in. So last night, uh, about six o'clock, I was at a Christmas party, and I get a phone call from Chad, our pastor who is normally standing here where I am now, and uh, he says that he just tested positive for COVID. And could I preach? And I said, uh, that's pretty much what I said. <laughs> uh, so anyway, here we are. And um, Jared, uh, who normally leads our music, he is out doing a wedding for um, the son of our previous pastor from many years ago. So he's out as well. So no offense to you, uh, Frank, but we kind of got the B team today. So if you're visiting, please come back on a normal Sunday. Uh, but anyway, let, let's uh, just bow with me for a moment of prayer. God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this opportunity. And I just pray, God, that you would help us to hear from you this morning. I'm the one up here uh, speaking, but I pray, God, that it's your voice that is heard, whether it be through the things I say or even in spite of them. We want to know you, and we are here to worship you and to lift you up because of who you are and all that you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So, when he asked me to do this, I, um, I guess I should, I should say, Thursday, he told me that this might be a possibility. And I was preparing a message to do at my school and I, I just said to myself, okay, so I'll just do my school thing. Um, you know, I'll kind of have to expand it to be a, a Sunday morning thing. But I'll do that. It's kind of what I had in my head. And then I realized that the thing I was doing at school was something that Miranda had told me about my wife, um, who, that she learned about and heard as a little message with a women's group here. So I thought, well, half of our congregation has already heard that message. So I can't do that. So I had to scramble and come up with something else. So here we are. Um, we're going to do Luke chapter 2. Verses 8 to 20. Uh, I was a youth minister many, many years ago, and this is something that I preached literally to youth more than 20 years ago. So I pulled it out of the hat and, um, you know, kind of reworked it a little bit, and so here we are. So Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 8 to 20. Let's just begin following along with me there. I'll probably stop as I'm reading it and share a couple other things because that's kind of what I do. I'm a little ADD. I can't just stick with one thing, so. Verse 8, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. I'm already going to stop. <laughs> the shepherds were staying in the fields, keeping watch over their flock. Uh, so in case you don't know, most scholars believe that because the shepherds were in the fields at night, they, most scholars agree that it was not December 25th. When this happened, we always think Christmas is December 25th. It was probably early to mid fall based upon where these sheep were in the fields that night. Uh, also, it's interesting to note that these particular shepherds, because of those particular fields that they were in, they also believe that these were the shepherds who, um, I'm just going to read it the way that it got here, were watching over the temple flock. They were taking care of the sacrificial lambs that were going to be used in the sacrifices in the temple. I think it's cool that uh, some of the first people to see the true Lamb of God were those who were taking care of the lambs that were going to be 
killed in the, in the temple. The true Lamb of God would, as we know, one day be the ultimate sacrifice for us as well. So I think it's cool that God chose them for that. Verse 9. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, do not be afraid. Angels. Angels are not the little cherubim. They're not the little babies with wings. They're scary. These guys are terrified. You're, you Imagine you're a shepherd out with your flock at night, and then this amazing thing appears before you. You've never seen anything like that. They're terrified. Most Anytime you see an angel in the Bible, the first words out of the angel's mouth are almost always, do not be afraid. It's okay. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to the people that he favors. So there's just one angel at first that's scary enough, and now there's this multitude, and they start singing. A little his- history lesson here. Back in Jewish culture, when a baby boy was born, musicians would come to the house and sing for the, the baby boy. Jesus was not born in his home. He was in a whole other town from where his parents lived. And so the people didn't know. So the angels, God sent angels to fulfill that same role, which is just amazing to think about to me. Uh, So they took the place of the local musicians. So verse 15 here. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. A little personal side note here. In the past year, personal for me, but also probably for many of you, it's just been a hard, hard year, right? Or a hard couple of years with COVID, right? I can tell you that me personally, within this past year, I kind of hit a time when, well, I was just depressed. I don't know, maybe it was COVID, the lack of interactions with people. Um, I was doing virtual school and not interacting with my students. I teach school, for those of you who don't know. Um, I, I don't exactly know what the combination of things was, but 
it was just a really hard time for me. And um, Miranda and I talked through it. I was really sensitive. I felt like I didn't have any friends, which was not true. I had friends, um, but I felt that, those things. And so it just weighed on me in heavy ways. I felt like uh, I was unappreciated in my job role. I felt like um, I, I didn't really not think it was going anywhere. I, maybe it was midlife crisis. I, I don't know. But it was a really hard time, and I was really down on myself for a while. I, I, would, I, I went and had a talk with Chad about all of this, and he and I talked through it, and um, he was great. Chad, uh, you know, texted with me and would just send me encouraging things every once in a while, walked me through some of the stress I was feeling and all of that. Um, and I really believe that, that God used Chad and, and some other folks and some other situations just to kind of bring me out of that and let me see that there is hope in him. Um, but it was a really tough time. And I want to point out to you that I really think the shepherds themselves probably felt some of those same kind of things. I mean, these guys, it wasn't a glamorous job, right? They were not highly regarded in their community. Usually they were kind of almost invisible, like people just didn't pay attention, you know? They were out in the fields, so, you know, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing with most people. They've spent lots of time out in the fields with a bunch of sheep, alone, they probably ran into each other sometimes. They probably had some friendships with each other. But for the most part, they probably felt pretty unappreciated. Um, they did the same thing every day, too, just routine, right? They moved sheep from field to field, bringing them to food and water. They went after lost sheep, protected them if there was any predators or anything. They were lonely most of the time, probably talked to the sheep. <laughs> they talked to the sheep, Right? The sheep knew the shepherd's voice, though, because they talked to him so much, probably. To the sheep, the shepherd was important, even life and death. But no one else thought much of them at all. It was a really humble job. Just so you know, this is how teachers feel. And it's not just teachers. People all over the world feel these same kinds of things. But I can speak as a teacher that I can say for sure teachers feel this way. The world doesn't think too highly of us. And I will say some of that is well learned by some really bad and poor decisions that some teachers make. It's not a glamorous job. Certainly doesn't pay very well. It's definitely not highly regarded. However, our hope and our prayer is that we can make a difference for our sheep, the students. Um, we hope that we can make, make a difference for them. And so that's why we do what we do. So the shepherds probably felt some of the same things that I was feeling that earlier this year. Nobody really noticed them much. They didn't get pats on the back. They probably hadn't dreamed about being shepherds, though, right? Growing up as a little kid, they probably didn't dream that this is, this is their amazing dream job that they would want to have, is not, probably not as a shepherd. They probably imagined that their life could have been something more. But I want to consider, and that, that's most all shepherds were probably that way. But what about these shepherds? Something was different about these shepherds. I mean, this is, this is more than 2,000 years later right now, and we are talking about these shepherds. 
And they're being talked about all over the world as people open up and read the Christmas story this season, right? These shepherds, although they may have felt those things, that is not who they were. You see what I'm saying? So my question, as I wrestled with this depression and all that is, and and I made the connection with the shepherds, what did they do? How did they respond that made things different for them? Because maybe I should respond that way too, right? So here's some of the things that I, that I thought about and um, realized. So look at verse 15. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They, went, they heard this from the angels and they said, let's go straight there. They listened to God. That's the first way they responded. They listened to God, right? They listened to God and not to anything else. There were lots of other voices that day or that night when the the angels appeared. Some of the other voices that they had, there was the voice of doubt. Like, am I really seeing this? Maybe I just ate something bad. You know what I mean? Like, they probably questioned, am I hallucinating this? That's one of the voices they probably heard. Another one is the voice of duty. You can't leave these guys, leave these sheep and go check out what's going on in the city. You're responsible for these guys, right? You can't do that. And then the voice of laziness. I'm tired. They could have said to themselves, you don't want to go there. You don't want to spend all that energy. There were lots of other voices, right? Speaking to them that day. But the voice that they listened to, the voice that they responded to was the voice of God. And it came through the angel. This is what happened to me last night. I'm at the Christmas party. I get the phone call from Chad. The voice of Chad. I'm going to read this. I wrote this down. The voice of Chad. I've got COVID. I need you to preach. Another voice that I heard, the voice of fear, told me, tell him to come preach anyway and stay away from people. <laughs> that's, that's what I, and I, to be honest, I actually said that to him. <laughs> Why don't you just come anyway? And then there's the voice of doubt. Tell him to take another test. Maybe he's not really sick, right? The voice of inadequacy. Speaking in my heart, you're not prepared for this. The voice of laziness. You're going to be up all night trying to get something together. All of those things were shouting in my head. But there was a still, small voice, a whisper. And this is what it said. I'm still in control. I know what I'm doing, and I want you to do this. I've got your back. I'll be with you. And when I quieted my heart enough to hear that voice, I knew I had to decide differently. I had to respond differently. As I began to study, I pulled out the notes from this sermon from 20 years ago. He spoke again and he said this, I've orchestrated this whole thing so someone can hear this message. 
God's not surprised by Chad having COVID. I don't know who this message is for, but it's for somebody. And maybe it's, just, maybe it's for me so I can get it out. You know, I, I don't know. But God is still in control. And so that's why I stand before you. And that's the thing I'm holding on to and praying is true. I believe that God can use me in spite of my inadequacy, in spite of my little quirks, in spite of me. I, I just want to be his tool and I want to be, remain in his hands so he can use me. And so that's why I'm here this morning. Shepherds. Verse 16. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They hurried off is what this version says. There are other versions that say that they ran. I like to think of the run. There was, there was no, like, like when they heard God, they ran to Jesus, right? There was, there was no delay. There was no stalling. As, as I did with Chad, I was trying to stall and, you know, redirect and do all these things. They responded in the right way. Right away, they went. They hurried off. Now, I'm old and I'm out of shape. And I, I mean, I've actually lost some weight. And I'm doing a little better than I used to be. But um, I don't run for very many things. Right? Uh, and the older you get, my kids run all the time. But I don't. And it has to be important. So these guys took off because it was important. One of, one of my uh, favorite movies, um, for you, many of you are probably too young, but I know there's some of you in here that are old enough. One of my favorite movies is When Harry Met Sally. It's a, I say it's a favorite movie, but I have to preface it and say, I'm not a romantic comedy kind of guy. My wife very much is a romantic comedy uh, woman. Um, I'd rather watch Die Hard. That's a Christmas movie to me. I know some of you would argue that, but anyway. Um, when Harry Met Sally is one of the romantic comedies that I truly enjoyed. Um, it's a story, if you don't know, about two friends um, who, a guy and a girl, and they have this whole conversation, can you, can you really be friends with somebody of the opposite sex? Or is there always something else that's still there? And so they remain friends for years and years, and they date other people, and they do all these things. But you can kind of see the whole thing coming. Like, they're falling, falling for each other, right? So at the end of the movie, um, Sally is at a New Year's Eve party, and Harry is off by himself. They, they've kind of had a fight and, and all of that, and so they're separated and kind of upset with each other. But as Harry is walking around the town... He is thinking and remembering, and he's kind of having these flashbacks of, you know, interactions that he had had with Sally. And he realizes he's in love with her, right? And so what happens in the movie is he literally takes off running. And he's running through the streets. And, I mean, if I were him, I would have been tired way before he was. But I guess he's in better shape than I was, or am. He's running through the streets, and he finally gets to her. And the thing that he says when he gets there, 
through his own tears, he says, when you realize that you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. I love that. When you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Miranda and I were engaged in September, and we were married in January. We realized it. And so we got there as quick as we could, right? The shepherds, they realized the baby and who he was because the angel had revealed it to them. And they wanted the rest of their lives to start as soon as possible. So they ran to Jesus, right? Verse 17. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So the other way that the shepherds responded is they told everyone about Jesus. They had seen him. And they told everybody that they, that they ran across all about him. I, I think of this as... Uh, well, Matthew twelve thirty four says, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Jesus had gotten into their hearts. And he was overflowing out. And they couldn't help but talk about him. They couldn't help but talk about him. Think of, of, of a young woman who has just gotten engaged. Lots of times she doesn't even get to tell all of the, every, she doesn't get to tell everybody about her engagement because the word travels so fast among her friends that sometimes they find out before she even gets to them, right? You know what I'm saying? You can't, they can't contain it. This is what our relationship with Jesus should be like. Can't contain it because he is way beyond and overflows everything that we could imagine. So I love that about the shepherds too. By the way, this is another little side note. Um, it says that the people were amazed at what they heard. Shepherds in that culture were, they were not considered to be reliable. So much so that actually one of the commentators says that they were not allowed to give testimony in a court because they were so unreliable. And yet, because God had gone before them, when they said it, the people believed, even though they were unreliable in a normal situation, they believed and were amazed. So if you think that your voice cannot be heard, I want you to know that God can go before you and people can hear you. Right? He can use us in spite of ourselves. In spite of our reputations, he can use us. So shepherds had a reputation for being unreliable, but they were still his witnesses. And he chose them for that. Like God chose the people who were unreliable to be the first ones to reveal his son to. God chooses me in spite of my own stuff too. And I'm so grateful 
verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. So what is the fourth way that they have responded? It's in worship. It's in worship. They worshiped with their mouths by telling other people. They worshiped with their mouths by glorifying him and praising him. But they also did it with their lives. The fact that they went out to tell people, right? Everywhere that they went, they, were, they had become witnesses because he was in their heart and he was overflowing out of their hearts and they couldn't help but talk about him, right? So worship is something that just came as a natural response to what had happened inside of them. I think a lot of times, at least for me, growing up especially, I thought that worship was something that I came to church to do. But once he got in me, I realized that worship is a natural expression of what he's done inside of me that just comes out. And it comes out not just on Sunday mornings. It comes out in the way I make decisions. It comes out in the way that I try to interact with my coworkers. Now, let's be clear. I don't get it right all the time. I fail too. But I know that his spirit is inside of me and he's empowering me to be more than what I am on my own. Just as he did for the shepherds. Calvin. It's a quote by Calvin. It says this. If the cradle of Christ had such an effect upon the shepherds as to make them rise from the stable and the manger to heaven, how much more powerful ought the death of re- and resurrection of Christ be in raising us to God? The shepherds only had the first part of the story, that God had come near to them. Emmanuel was with them. The one, the long-awaited Messiah was there. They had that part of the story. And they responded in amazing worship, glorifying and praising the Lord. But what about us? We have that story, but we have the end of the story too, that he took on death itself for us. He was sinless, and yet... He took on my sin. He paid the price that I owed in dying on the cross so that I might be made whole and complete and pure in the eyes of the Father. I have the end of the story. He went into death, but then he came out. And in so doing, He tells us that we can come out as well. He covers our sin with his blood. And it is wiped away and we can be made holy and pure. If the shepherds can worship for the first part of the story and we have the whole story, man, we ought to be raising the roof, right? I'm going to read this to you. This is something that I wrote just kind of as the closing. Here's the good news. Jesus, 
the object of the shepherd's worship, truly is the promised Messiah. He's Savior, ancient and strong, holy and anointed one. He is light, and he has come into our darkness. He's here among us. He's here among us. Although we celebrate him as the baby, he is the healer of the brokenhearted. He's the living water, the bread of life, and the lamb who died in our place. He's the one who conquered death and sin. He rose from the grave and offers us new life in his name. He's worthy of our worship. He's the one that we can trust and we should listen to. He's the one who deserves our sense of urgency. He's the one that that we should be running after. He's the one that we should tell others about. And he's the one who is worthy of our worship. He's Jesus. He's Jesus. 